0: episode 14 of the brick and mortar reporter podcast welcome to the brick and mortar reporter podcast where we show you how to build your business brick by brick put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone and now here's your host christy hosler
1: Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name is Christy, and I'm your host today. And uh, today we have an interesting guest. We have um, Megan Wissenat. She is the managing partner of the Barkery Bistro in Greenville, South Carolina. Now, Megan and her mother, Diane Ludwig, founded Uh, the Barkery Bistro several years ago and uh, it's gone through several different incarnations with them some different products and services that they've offered they've moved to uh, a different location from when they started but essentially the Barkery Bistro is an upscale pet boutique they offer gourmet treats Um, they offer any kind of accessories or anything like that that you would want for your dog or your cat they're not they don't discriminate against cats or anything like that and they also offer a a complete line of all natural pet foods. And so they're very into um, holistic and all natural things for your dog. So um, welcome to the podcast, Megan. We're so glad to have you here today.
2: Thank you, Christy. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, to get us started, can you kind of give us a little bit um, more of a background into uh, kind of where you came from in the business world, anything about you personally that you think we need to know um, to kind of give us a better idea of who you are as a person?
2: Sure. I got my start in college um, in the restaurant industry and just always been involved in customer service. I traveled for... McAllister's opening restaurants for them and then i moved on to a job after college working for ruth's chris steakhouse which is Mm -hmm. which was at the time the largest fine dining steakhouse in the world so we were traveling opening restaurants for ruth's chris and i had a team of coaches i traveled with and we really went around Teaching the new employees um, how to provide, you know, plus one service. So customer mm-hmm. service has always been a real focus in my careers. And uh, then I moved over into retail when we opened the Berkeley Bistro.
1: Excellent. Now, at what point in your life did did you know you kind of wanted to? Because you've worked for some, you know, well known corporations and mm-hmm. done the whole corporate gig. At what point did you know you kind of wanted to break out on your own and become an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm.
2: It was mostly a timing thing, Um, just at the time, the job with Ruth's Chris was coming to an end because of Hurricane Katrina, actually, oh. we were based out of New Orleans, so when Hurricane yeah. Katrina came, they were moving the corporate offices down to Florida, and so it was just a time when I had an opening of whether to continue in the corporate world or do something that I've always loved, which my passion is animals and helping animals. And Mm -hmm. my partner, my mom, Diane, has that real entrepreneurial spirit. So Uh the two of us had been talking about wanting to do something. And our main focus was based on, I have, at the time I had Bentley and Duncan, my two golden retrievers. um, Right. Who both suffered from a lot of food allergies, which... Mm -hmm. Um, And some health issues and just from doing a lot of research, I had kind of gotten them on a specific diet, which so many people, you know, go to the vets and spend all this money on things. And I just was able to really help them with just changes in their food and treats. So that kind of situation with my dogs and then talking with my mom about wanting to share what we've learned, Mm -hmm. it's kind of evolved into... Well, it started as just a specific, just a dog bakery, just dog right. treats. Um, and then it evolved into a whole kind of upscale dog boutique.
1: Yeah. Now, whenever you guys started, which I guess it's been, what, six or seven years ago now, um, what did you have any really big fears or anything that was kind of holding you back whenever you started your business? I know most yeah. of us do have some fears. So what were yours?
2: I think definitely the biggest fear was at the time six years ago, it was March actually, six years ago this month, when we opened, the pet industry was up and coming, but mm-hmm. it was still kind of a new, new thing for people. So I think our biggest fear was, you know, coming to Greenville, there were no other stores like ours, which was a good thing, but also mm-hmm. were people going to really We knew that we were going to have to work hard at really educating people Uh to believe in what we were doing because of it being upscale and you come in and you see our treats and you see our toys and our foods and you look and you say, gosh, that's expensive, but you realize what you're feeding You're doing better by your pet. So just were people really going to believe in our mission Mm -hmm. statement and what we were doing or were they going to be, you know, negative? Like, oh, gosh, this will come and go or this won't make it. So that was probably our biggest fear. We knew that we had a lot of educating to do with people.
1: I hear that with a lot of small business owners and and to be quite honest most of them really enjoy that education process because when you can educate somebody you you then somehow create some loyalty there you know because you've helped educate them about what's better for their dog and you know trading that front end Dollar of the the high price of the dog food for the back-end vet bills and the pain and discomfort of your dog It is an education process But by doing that you end up with a different kind of customer than just the the casual shopper You know you end up with the loyal raving fan most of the time. So exactly now whenever you guys started your business, um, what factors did y'all take into consideration as far as where you were going to open and what you wanted to um, put in it? I mean, what all did, what all type of things did you consider whenever you said, okay, let's go ahead and do it?
2: Well, first we definitely for location, we, neither of us were from Greenville. My mm-hmm. mom was living in Charleston. I was living north of Atlanta and Georgia. And so our location We were looking at several places to open. We did a big demographic study Mm -hmm. and found that Greenville was super pet-friendly. You've got the park. You've got so many of the outdoor restaurants. Um, Mm -hmm. And, of course, there wasn't anything yet like us. So Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing was location, location, location. Mm -hmm. Um, And Main Street was a great spot, and we spent a lot of time coming here to visit before we even decided to open as far as products we kind of decided what our we set the the bar high for what we were going to carry we you know went to trade shows and Mm -hmm. really did a lot of research like on the front end of ingredients Mm -hmm. and vendors and establishing relationships with vendors getting a lot of samples, trying them out on our own dogs. Mm-hmm. And um, that's how we decided what we were going to carry. And, of course, a price point. That's the most other important thing, the price point. And a lot of right. people are looking for things that are made in the USA, not just yeah. food-wise. I mean, everything food-wise, is period, we made in the USA, nothing from China. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still so many things that, otherwise like toys and so we tried to really keep a focus on made in the usa that was what a lot Mm -hmm. of people come to us for made in the usa
1: so what is the hardest thing to find for you as a business owner that's made in the usa
2: i'd say we've gotten to where we have a lot of toys that we can i mean treats easy um toys say about half um you still there's still so many things that are could be sourced though from China. So it could uh-huh. say made in the USA but it could still be gotcha. sourced.
1: It um, really means assembled in the US or something. Right.
2: Yeah, just yeah. looking at your labels. Um mm-hmm. it's still there's still a lot of things that are still made in China, a lot of you know, doggy clothes and things like that.
1: Interesting because you would think there would be some industry popping up around that would be able to, you know, you would hope give give you a good product at a competitive price, you know, but still Mm -hmm. be wholly made in the United States. So that that is hard to find, especially you don't realize how hard it is to find until you actually start looking for it, or even limit yourself if you can't find it, you know, so that's interesting. Now, when you guys started your business, have you had any sort of like business coach or mentor or anything like that to kind of help you navigate through the opening your business process?
2: I was thinking about people, and there's been so many people through just different networking events that we've met Uh that have opened small businesses or that we met at trade shows that have had their businesses um so I would just say just through networking a lot of other small business owners over the years that we've met um there's also a business coach that I've personally used and attended some of his seminars or I guess they're more webinars that his mm-hmm. name's Doug Doug Sleener
1: Uh-huh and he
2: does a coaching program for small businesses
1: Oh good
2: he is a really good asset to have
1: now, um, I was going to say, I'm, I do hear from a lot of small business owners that talk about the the willingness of the local business community to share knowledge. Um, you know, if you ask, it seems like people are willing to help and willing to share. Have you found that to be the case?
2: I have very much. People are, we've had great success working with other business owners, partnering up, cross-promotion. With each other's business, if you can, you know, make it work where you're both, it's a win win and it's not, you know, cutting into your bottom line. And then just in general, small business, there's lots of local networking groups. Mm -hmm. Um, We actually started one of our own. Um, Oh, did you? We did. We started a group called Greenworks. And since we do so many eco friendly toys and we do all natural treats, um, and Greenville is such a you know, they, there's so many uh, green businesses popping right. up in Greenville, so that's how we cross-promoted other green businesses and the networking groups. I was thinking of what I could suggest, and I would just say network, network, network.
1: Mm, yeah, I, I think that makes a big difference. And I, you know, I think sometimes it's hard for small business owners to um, have the time to properly right. network. 'Cause yeah, you're you're working in your business most of the time and um that sucks up every minute of your day and it just makes a world of difference whenever you can have the time to get out and network and I've I've heard that from several people that use your network, grow your network. It's you're never gonna be um, you know, disappointed by the time you spend doing that. So definitely exactly. good advice.
2: Now those, I, I was gonna say, um, it's one of those things I think you can get over committed mm-hmm. to, yeah. you almost uh-huh. have to pick what your best niche is as far uh-huh. as what's going to be your best group for you to, mm-hmm. you know, help get your name on. And the, the other thing was charities. There's so many um, local charities that we, local dog rescues and animal charities oh. that we've been able to work with, like the Greenville Humane Society or whatever your business's niche is. And sometimes just donating, you know, your time or for us it's our a retail store, we can donate some treats or the business card for an event that we're having. And that's just something that you can do. And people will see your name and maybe you're not physically there because you're doing something else. But that's, we we give back a lot to the local community through charity. And that's that's also a marketing tool.
1: Them. Yeah, that's great advice because, you know, when you're seen as a partner of a charity that's near and dear to someone's heart, mm-hmm. it's easier for them to support you. But, I mean, you're also supporting a cause that, that you love. So it exactly. definitely is a win-win situation when you can do that. Now, we don't obviously like to, you know, spend too much time focusing on negative things. But have there been any failures that you've had or any missteps that you've had along the way over the six years of of your business that maybe you could share with us and maybe the lessons that you've learned from that, that other listeners might be able to benefit from.
2: Sure. I would, I would have to say probably when you open a business, you are getting inundated with so many marketing opportunities. And I'd say just for us, or for anyone out there, because there's so many coming your way, just really being picky and choosy about what you spend your marketing dollars on. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, we may have made a couple, you know, jumped the gun and made a couple decisions for maybe the first few people or, you know, the best sales pitch or whatever. Right, and, yeah. Um, it maybe wasn't the best fit for the Barkery Bistro.
1: So okay.
2: just really being... And choosy for us, and I don't want to say again anything against print advertising, but for us, we have uh-huh. some great print advertising that came out, and other things. You know, as soon as it comes out, if you don't get that return on your investment, once it's right. printed, once it's gone, and yeah, so um, I would say the marketing dollars just be real careful with that.
1: Yeah, and I think you know I hate to say it, but I think you're you're right that. Um, Everybody wants a piece of the small business owner, mm-hmm. um, as far as you know advertising channels. And the worst part about it is that many small business owners, their overall advertising budget is broken up into these small little chunks that are going part of it here and part of it there. You know you're you're kind of just taking the scatter approach to really see what works and what sticks you know, without blowing the whole budget on Mm -hmm. one particular avenue that you don't know if it's going to work. And at the same time, um, depending on your business, different things are going to work better for different types of businesses with different types of customers. And so you're right. It's like, you know, be stingy with those advertising dollars and test it. You know, do a small test. If you get a little bit of a return, then, then you know what to do. But it is. I feel for so many small business owners because I feel like every time they turn around, they've got mm-hmm. somebody else telling them how they can help them advertising, and there's really no one. Uh, there's no one answer, you know. I mean, Yellow Pages clearly isn't it, <laughs> you know, anymore. Exactly. And and everybody wants to tell you about, you know, what all you need to do with your website, and you need to do social media, and you need to do, you need to do, you need to do,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: if you do all that um you've just worked yourself into a full time marketing position, much less being a business owner. So I know it's it's very, very difficult. And that's that's one of the, the focuses behind um you know even this podcast is trying to get the word out about the great work that local business owners are doing all across the country. Um because I want customers Uh, to become conscious consumers and say, you know what? Yes, I know I could go in XYZ big box store and I can shop there until midnight and I can probably get a great deal, but the dollars don't stay in my community. And if I shop with the Barkery Bistro, I can get my dog food. I can get my dog treats. Yes, I have to go in. I can't go in at midnight because they're not open at midnight, but you know, it just makes a difference because I get not only uh, do I get personal attention, I get Educated by the you know, by you and your staff, and uh, you feel better because you're spending money in the community. So, um, that's definitely something that I know is a struggle for most small business owners is figuring out what the right amount of marketing in the right channel is to really get the best return on your investment. So, I feel for you on that one for sure. Exactly. (laughs) Now, have there been? Any current marketing strategies that you've used that are really working for you right now with the Burkery Bistro?
2: I would say, our, honestly, our best uh, marketing right now and has been is using Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that now Instagram is up and coming um, Mm -hmm. for us because of us being able to just put on a picture of a new product or put on, you know, Duncan, my golden retriever and a dog sweater. You know, Mm some people just love to see the pictures. They love to put pictures of their dogs with the products they bought from the Barkery Bistro. Mm -hmm. Facebook has been really great for us and it's free. It's a free tool. Um,
1: Well, I was going to say, I was going to say, I love the way you use your Facebook page to get user engagement with sharing pictures and we're having a photo contest and don't forget to vote for our contestants. Here's, you know, here here are the ones we're voting for. Right. Um, I mean, you really use that in a way that really becomes all about the animals more so than about the products that you're selling at the Barkery Bistro. You know, that's kind of just the channel and the vehicle for it. So um, I really like that you're not just buy this, we have a special, buy this, buy, you know, here's a new product, why don't you try it? You know, you can't, you can't just do promote, 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 promote without the engagement piece of it. So that's uh, I think you're doing really well.
2: Thank you. I think we do a good balance of, you know, sharing. I try not to I don't want to be a Debbie downer and put right you know, every day of like what dog needs a home or what dog yeah, but I will try to share different things um if something's just you know near and dear to something mm-hmm. you know I'll try to help people share stuff. I don't want to get into where we're an animal rescue site we right, or, so but um, we do support you know like I was saying the different local charities, and we will share things that they have going on. But we'll also share products that we sell, and then we'll share pictures of customers' dogs, and customers love to go on and see pictures of their dogs. That Absolutely. It's, it's
1: Absolutely.
2: kind of having a balance on there.
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, and you also, you know, have the opportunity to, to use that platform to help educate, too,
2: you know, mm-hmm. about
1: the, the different allergies and other things that food can address. Exactly. So, now, let me ask you this because this is kind of a um, – I don't want to say it's a sticky wicket for a lot of small business owners, but have you tried any sort of daily deal site like a Groupon or Living Social or anything like that? I mean, have you used any of those yet?
2: I haven't. I've I've looked into them um, in the last year or so a couple times and entertained some ideas of what we could offer. I haven't found Mm -hmm. yet what would work best for us. Okay. Okay with a margin as far as I think it would bring people into the store, but would it bring repeat business? So that's something we're still kind of is up in the air. I've also been contacted now. Amazon is starting a...
1: Oh, Amazon Local.
2: Amazon Local, and that's something I'm looking at too. Um, So I haven't used any of them yet.
1: Well, I think, you know, um, the fact that you're cautious about it is good. And, And like I say, I don't have a um, opinion either way uh, on them. But I know that that particular aspect of it is something that other business owners want to hear. Um, you know, if people are using them, wh- either why you have used them, how your results have been, or if you haven't yet used them, what's your hesitation? And, and like you were just talking about is making uh, making the margins work um, for the giveaway. And at the same mm-hmm. time, would it actually bring repeat Business, you know, the the long term customer in there, and I think I think those are very valid and legitimate concerns or barriers that probably you share with a lot of your contemporaries um, as far as that goes. So you'll have to uh, keep us posted if you decide to uh, do any deal and and really keep up with uh, if it worked well and whether you'd recommend it to other people because I know people want to hear about that.
2: Yeah, I've now, heard both. Um...
1: Yeah, I have too, and it, it, you know, you you don't, you, you don't really want to say consider the source because both of them can be. I mean, it, it could work for some businesses like a charm, and other businesses it just not be the right business model or or that sort of thing too. So I completely understand people having both both opinions on that. Now I would assume that a certain amount of your marketing efforts go toward getting those repeat customers. So mm-hmm. what strategies are you do you use? Um, are you using any like loyalty programs or anything like that to get repeat customers into your store?
2: We do. We have grooming services that we provide as well. So we do have a loyalty program or rewards program for mm-hmm. you come so many times you get a groom free or a discount just based on the kind of grooming. Uh, mm-hmm frequently they come we do um what's called bentley and duncan's item of the month which is this one item that we put on a special every month and we just do a lot of what we've started doing is a lot of ind- individualized services which we've always done individually downtown but now that we're over on augusta road we can really spend time with people that come in that have a puppy or a new dog that they've adopted Aww. and we kind of can make an entire health sheet for them from like food to treats to toys and just really providing that individualized service.
1: Wow yeah and that's definitely something you wouldn't get at a, a big box store you know and I know you have to compete with them as well but, but wow what a value to people that you know, obviously they're they're their most teachable if they've got this new new little life to care for and they're trying to get answers and that sort of thing too. So uh that's definitely a good value proposition for your business.
2: we do. Now, we, we do a lot of um, special orders for people too.
0: Oh, uh, I can people imagine come
2: in, um that they can't find other places we'll special order it for them. And so that's something that we provide for a lot. We do a lot yeah. of special ordering, custom
1: orders. Well, well, and when you have that, that, I mean, I don't want to say that that customer will never go anywhere else, but they're way less likely to change to another store for a $5 discount or something like that. Whenever they know you've got all their information, you know how to order it every single time, and they just call you and say, order it, I'll pick it up whatever day, and it happens, you know, so that builds in the the laziness of us not wanting to switch from one place to another is uh, mm-hmm. definitely comes into play with the custom orders and that sort of thing. Now, as far as your business goes, and whenever you look at your performance of the Barkery Bistro, what metrics and what performance indicators do you look at, and why do you feel like those specific ones are important for your business?
2: Um, we do, as far as tracking sales, um, as far as the performance, Indicator. We we track our daily sales, our monthly sales, and of course our yearly sales. Um, and we do on a growth of ten to twenty percent a year. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: oh, that's good. That's really mm-hmm. good. Especially in the, I guess we're in the post recession years. And um, mm-hmm. I know you you guys kind of started in the the height of the recession. You know.
2: We did.
1: It, we, and so <laughs> really. that was pretty gutsy, but. <laughs> But now you've probably seen, I guess, as the economy picks up overall, you see, you see that in your business as well.
2: We do, and we opened March of 2008 and then the economy crashed, I think it was September, October of the same year, so we really had to really look at some of our price points and our things that we were going to carry and kind of Mm -hmm. tweak some of that to follow along with the economy and what the customers are doing and how they're buying, and now they are, you know, that things have gotten much better. So,
1: that's were the you, target. Yeah. Were you fearful that you wouldn't make it through the recession? I mean, did that thought ever come up?
2: No, we. I mean, we were lucky because people don't scamp on their pets. Pets are mm-hmm. you know, the people that shop at our store, their pets are like, you know, their kids and like family. Spoiled, yeah. So, <laughs> we were lucky that we didn't. Worry about that, but it was always. I mean, of course, it's something that that of course is in the back of your head, but it's just kind of right. paying attention to what and changing. We, right. we had to change a lot of things that maybe in the beginning when we were going to sell, you know, a two hundred and fifty dollar you know bed, maybe we needed to also have other options that were. Gotcha. You know, we, just, we just needed to tweak and kind of follow gotcha. along with what the customers were buying.
1: Well, and the thing is, too, you know, though, you know, you're now in year six, and mm-hmm. so you're statistically gonna be around a long time because you've already made it through that first five year period. That most people, you know, if a business is gonna fail statistically, it's during that first five years. But mm-hmm. part of your five, first five years was during the Great Recession, too. You know what I mean? So you kind of had the double uh, double whammy there um, of those two statistically. Uh, you know, things that would just put any business under, and yet you're still here. So um, I think you've done well to survive both of those events and come out on the other end and still be growing. So that's absolutely fantastic. Now, for you and the day-to-day running of your business, you kind of kind of do it all. Um, what is your favorite tool to use to help you run your business from day to day?
2: I know we keep touching on customer service, but I think I- – as far as us, it's really just, no, reading the customer, knowing the customer's name, just really providing that excellent customer service, is is what we what we train our employees on. That's our main thing.
1: Those soft skills and those mm-hmm. um, the connections and the relationships and um, the relationships. you know it's
2: just. Yeah,
1: and you know, those are the things that we, we talk about it over and over again on this podcast because, um, it is hard to go into a big box store and see the same employees there month after month. And I'm not saying that that's any, I mean, it's just a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there isn't, the capability within such a transient employee population to build connections with the customers. You know, at that point customers are more connected to the brand than they are to the people. At the same time for local businesses, your customers are actually very connected to you as a person, as the brand and that sort of thing. And that really, really, um, I mean, you can't put a dollar value on that. You know, I don't know how much that would cost in, in corporate dollars to do that but that is definitely the value that local businesses provide that other big box stores can't touch. So um, yeah,
2: I'm glad it's, that's a good It's what you have. I mean, that's what you have against the big box store is that customer service tool. So unfortunately I've been into other small businesses and if the person sits behind the counter and doesn't come out and greet you or doesn't show an interest in you or for, in our position, it's, you know, showing a lot of interest in the person's dog and mm-hmm. you bringing your dog into our store. So we do a lot of, you make a big deal about scrapping. Right. And, um, so <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's what people really pay attention to, I think, is just that excellent customer service or else they will go to a big box store and might be able to save a few dollars. Um, that way yeah. that they won't get, you know, that personalized service. So.
1: Well, and it always, as a customer, it always amazes me. I I consider myself completely an introvert and I could probably spend all day long and be fine not talking to anyone. Right. And when I go into a store, though, for whatever reason, I really enjoy talking to people. And it always amazes me that I can go in a store and kind of walk around and you see that people are there behind the counter and nobody looks up and nobody says a word. And you eventually just go, okay, this is a little bit awkward, and I'm going to leave now. <laughs> <And> so,
2: exactly, especially <laughs> if it's, it's a small store and it's just you and the maybe a couple of people that work there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's that's the thing. That environment right there is just so um, flush with the opportunity. To really talk to people and make a bond especially whenever you might be the only one in the store for the moment you know it just Mm -hmm. I don't understand why I mean I would consider that low-hanging fruit for the business owner you know to be able to to capitalize on that And I I am always surprised that sometimes that doesn't happen and I just think wow Mm -hmm. ah." I would be mortified if that were that were me in my store so Um, Megan one thing I like to find out from the business owners that I talk to um, because you guys are are the experts is Um, to see if you've noticed any holes in the market that you've identified Um, we have a lot of people that listen to the podcast that are looking to start a business and maybe they're looking for their specific niche and they want to do something local but uh, are there products or services that you would love to be able to find or source locally that you just cannot find?
2: Um, That's a good question. I'm just thinking about what we we do try to carry local products,
0: um, mm-hmm.
2: it's, you know, tried and true, and we carry locally made toys. Um, we just started carrying our the soap that we use in our grooming salon is made locally. Oh wow! Um, so I don't specifically have a hole that I can think of at this time, but as far as you know, there's toys and other things like that there's always room for more locally made toys and I see um, because that's something that mm -hmm.
1: most of the time most customers try to start our most stores try to start at least local or regional and then branch out Mm -hmm. to you know the United States and it's a shame that there's not more that's provided, you know, and then that I would think there's going to be in the, you know, next 10 years, there's going to be a lot of people leave their corporate jobs or even be forced away from their corporate jobs and they're going to be looking to start, you know, businesses and that sort of thing. And so I just want to try to throw them a bone with any niches yeah. that they might be able to uh, fill because there might be somebody out there that has a hobby of, making you know dog toys or something like that and they've never even made the connection that wait a minute there are a lot of small independently owned stores like yours that they can walk in and talk to the owner and uh, show products and that sort of thing so just kind exactly. of put that think, out there
2: yeah for um you know there's the thing with making treats i think it's that's a little bit more challenging is just because of the the commercialized kitchen that you have to have and right. the um, approval with, you know, what's in your treats. And I think that's quite mm-hmm. a process to go through. So
0: right. as far as
2: just thinking about it, I mean, the toys that we carry, we have one locally made toy that's recycled t-shirts that she made oh, and she yeah. makes into ropes. And basically she had just happened to stop in and here, you know, she, I think just probably figured that out from playing with her dog. So we carry her, just a husband and wife that make um, recycled T-shirt tug toys, and so oh, yeah. there's always more room for uh, toys that are indestructible. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: and and the the recycled factor of that is very important mm-hmm. right now because mm-hmm. most of the people that are um, in tune with the holistic, all natural, even organic, are also very in tune with the impact on the environment. So taking something. And recycling it and making it into something that can be repurposed and resold um that that covers a lot of ground with that with might an be
2: item. A, but just talking about it that that might be actually a good loophole as a recycled recycled toy or something yeah. like that, as we're talking.
1: Yeah, and you know, there's that's the opportunity for the, those creative people too. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> people exactly. that are so
2: creative. I would never
1: think out that far outside the box, but there are some people that can make some things. You're like, oh wow, I never thought that could even be useful after it was completely, oh, no. you know, trashed. So know exactly. Um, now as you um, kind of look back on your entrepreneurial experience as as the owner of the Barkery Bistro, is there something that you know now that you wish you had known when you started that you might be able to share that wisdom with someone that might just be getting started right now?
2: Um, Probably just love what you do. I mean, I know that's kind of cliche, but love what you do because you'll be doing it a lot when you open your business. Um, (laughs) you You know, when you just work 24-7, you sleep, breathe, eat it. It's always on your mind what can you do better, especially in the first few years. Mm -hmm. So really just the times that I've gotten frustrated or, you know, just with being a business owner, it's just you have to love what you do. So as soon as, you know, and then I have a dog come in or a puppy, and I'm like, okay, this is why I do that. Because there are times that it's just a lot of work. You're working. It's your business, so you're working Literally twenty four seven, especially in the beginning. So just really love and have a passion for, for what you want to do.
1: But isn't it amazing though that the minute a dog walks in the door it completely changes the stress level? <laughs> it does.
2: And that's <laughs> what that's reminds awesome. you.
1: Yeah, it's like it's so awesome. You understand why um it's extremely therapeutic for people to take their animals to work and you're you're very lucky that you're in a situation where you have ones that you can do that with and that they can behave well enough for you to do that.
2: Exactly.
1: Definitely a good thing. Now, you have shared a lot of good things that people can take away and actually take action on and be um, a little better in their business because of today. And so I wanted to give you an opportunity to promote anything that's going on within your business that um, that people, even in the Greenville or upstate South Carolina area, might uh, want to hear. At the same time, um, if there's a way people can find you online, we'd also like to promote that as well.
2: Oh, sure. Um, thank you we we do have a website it's um www.thebarkerybistro.com and okay. we launched an e-commerce site which we've been working on it's been up and running um for a little while now but we're just really starting to promote our e-commerce site so you can go, go online and purchase a lot of our treats and our toys and collars and leashes online and you can also read read about us. Um, so our e commerce is the, a big thing.
1: Is the e commerce um at the same website, the dot com?
2: It is. When you go onto the okay. website you'll see a little button that says shop and you can just click okay. on that and then it will bring up all of our products, like our best selling treat. Um that's mm-hmm. made in South Carolina again locally, is called right. Puppy Crack. And Puppy I Crack is that. Yeah. So that's um a best seller and um we sell a lot of puppy crack in the store and online, so that's something fun to try. And some of the proceeds yeah. from puppy crack goes back to Animal Rescue in South Carolina, so.
1: Okay. Good. So it's supporting a cause, Mm
2: -hmm. being
1: locally made, and at the same time it's supporting a local business as well. So, Megan, what I'll do is um, in the show notes for this podcast, I'm going to link up to all of the places we can find you online. So we'll have the Barkery Bistro um, website there. Also your Facebook page, um, facebook.com forward slash the Barkery Bistro. Mm
2: -hmm. I believe that's right, right? And
1: then uh, anywhere else we can find you online.
2: Um, let's see, Facebook, we have a Twitter account.
1: Okay, tell me that.
2: And let me tell you that exactly what it is. And Facebook is actually forward slash, I think it's T V B two one two three.
1: Okay. I'll and link it.
2: Twitter I'll... Twitter is Twitter.com forward slash Barkery Bistro.
1: Okay. Perfect. I will link up to both of those and people will just be able to click on the link and head right over there and then they can like or follow you um, on both of those and get right to your website. So uh, we want to do what we can to help promote what you're doing because you're doing good local and we appreciate that very much. So um, Megan, I can't thank you enough for the time you took out of your busy and hectic schedule to actually talk to us and share a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. And uh, we look forward to following you and seeing and hearing about all your success
2: in the future. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. We had a good time.
0: Localist, I need your help. If you've appreciated this podcast today, I need you to go to iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review, tell us what you think about the podcast. It is so important for us to expand our reach to be able to have those iTunes ratings and reviews. That way, other people can find us much easier whenever they're looking for things about local brick and mortar businesses. So go to iTunes, leave us a review, leave us a rating. You cannot imagine how important it is to us. You can find show notes to everything we discussed in this podcast on our website. So go there. It's www.brickandmortarreporter.com. You can see all the links to anything we discussed. And also you can leave us any comments or any questions that you have. It's the best way to get in touch with us. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local.